Anybody know Buster Keaton? Yeah. Now, that was a long time ago. I, I don't even remember going to silent movies. See, that, that was even sometime way past my time. But uh, he messed up, didn't he? Every time I watched that over the week, just thinking about this message for today, I was thinking about the two neighbors with the insurance commercial out working in the yard. One's doing his yard work, and the other one's sawing off a limb off his tree, and it falls right down on top of his neighbor's car. And you know, I look at that, and I said, boy, he messed up big time, didn't he? And that insurance company had a mess that they had to deal with. And so today we're talking about uh, the second message in this series about for all of life's messes. And we're talking about when your life is a mess. You know, when you've messed up your life. And uh, we talked last week about temptations. And some of those same temptations uh, that have led people to have a messed up life. You know, addiction to alcohol and drugs, uh, sexual promiscuity, uh, uh, all kinds of feelings of depression and anxiety and despair, uh, things that we, we know are not good for us, things that we think we can control, uh, you know, all those things that, that might come into our life that we allow to come into our life that aren't really good for us, and they have an adverse effect upon our life. And we end up then with making a mess of our life. Now, every one of us here has probably made some kind of mess of our life at some point or another. And the question for today then is, in the midst of the mess of our life, is there any hope for us? And the answer is, yes, there is hope because God is the God of all hope. And what God loves to do is to take lives that are messed up and turn them around and create a miracle in them. That's what we see in our scripture today out of the Gospel of John, the fourth chapter, with a a very well-known story of Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. And so we got our well over here as a prompt, and uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But when we come in here to John 4 and we look at this passage of Scripture, uh, we're going to be seeing how Jesus dealt with this woman with the mess in her life. But we also see how Jesus went about establishing a relationship so that he could share about a relationship with God and eternal life. And if you're contemplating about, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm feeling convicted about this, sharing hope. You know, I, I don't know people, I don't know people who lost all my relationships with Christian people and that. Well, if you pray, God will give you some opportunities uh, to open your eyes and see people uh, who need hope. And Jesus sets a great pattern for us here. You know, there are a lot, a lot of different things that people want to ask questions about. This woman did. She wanted to get sidetracked and talk about worship. And Jesus brought her right back to where he needed her to talk about the living water. And so, we hear in here a perfect example of how to begin to establish a relationship as a Matthew with somebody who needs to hear about Christ. But we also see here how, how Jesus works to perform a miracle in a life that's messed up. And you can follow along with me as we begin reading in John chapter 4 in verse 4. And he had to go through Samaria. So, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink... You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it also, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you you now have is not your husband. And what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Then we go to verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. And then verse 28, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Let me go to verse 39 for the conclusion. The many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Well, when we look at this story, without being very prejudiced or being judgmental, uh, and we can still look at that and see that this woman at the well, as the way she's known, the Samaritan woman at the well, was a woman who constantly went to the same well. There's probably just a community well there. And she would constantly draw the same water out all the time, something simple like this. You know, pull, pull this out uh, from the deepness of the well, pour it into her water pot, and then she would have her water for the day. The only thing about that is, is you keep going to the same well and you keep drawing the same water. And what happens? Well, you stay thirsty. You get thirsty again. You know, you keep doing the same thing over and over. What's going to happen? You're going to get the same results all the time. And so it's interesting how Jesus brought her in to uh, illustrate her, her mess in her life and her need for him. Because he said, you know, would you give me a drink first? And he established that relationship. And then he said, you know, I can give you water that you can drink from and you will never thirst again. Now, I'm not sure what thoughts ran through her mind, whether she's really thinking on spiritual level at that point or not, or whether she's thinking, what kind of well does he know that can give me water from which I'll never thirst again? But Jesus knew what was going on in this woman's life, and he knew what she needed, and it was a miracle of hope. And so what we find here that challenges us today in the midst of a mess in our life, because we've all made messes of of one kind or another, is there's hope for us in the mess in our life. And then as we think about and become more concerned about uh, those around us, we begin to see them that they have a mess in their life, they need God, and there is hope for them as well. Now, some people have said to us about this, my hope America, y'all don't like being told what to do. And I said to those who responded that way, it told me that they've been told that by other people. I said, tell them the problem's not with me or with you or the church or what we're doing. they got a problem with God because that's what God said to do. 
You know, that's our command that when we know the truth, we know that we found living water, we're supposed to tell somebody about that. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not telling you what to do. We're just reminding you what God told you to do. And the reason for it is, is the mess in people's lives. They're lost. They're lost without Christ. And they're going to hell. Their lives are a mess. Now, if you're more concerned about the fact you don't want to be told what to do, then they're going to hell. You'll have to answer for that at judgment, okay? Let me just remind you of that. Well, let's look at the story and see where we find our hope. And it doesn't seem like it would be starting out very hopeful, but, but as you look through here, there are three things for us to recognize that, that reminds us about Jesus is, is the hope for the mess of our lives and for those we love and care about. First of all, Jesus knows all about your failures. So he's God. He's God in the flesh and he knows everything. He knew everything about this woman when she came to the well. He knew about her marriages. He knew about her moral failures. He knew about all the mistakes she had made in her life. And he knows all about the messes in our life as well. Now that shouldn't come as a surprise to you. No, we, we don't hide anything from God. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And he knows everything that's in our life. I like this painting that we have by uh, Garasino, who was in 1647, an Italian painter. That's not his real name, Garasino. It's a, really a nickname that means squinter because, believe it or not, this artist was cross-eyed. And um, you look at this painting, and there obviously is Jesus, and you see the well right there in the forefront. And the woman there at the well, and she's clutching her, her water pot. That one looks blue. I was over here, I think, is a dark brown. But it's interesting, at that moment, Jesus is pointing and saying, go get your husband. And, and if you look at her face, you'll see that there's, it looks like she's got a kind of a far-off, wistful look in her eyes that says, maybe there is hope. Maybe she's longing for that hope that maybe this man knows something else about my life and he can do something about this. There, there was that first sign, I think, indicated here. And I think the artist did a great job of catching that when Jesus was saying, go get your husband. Because he knew all about her. He knew her mess-ups. He knew where she was in life. And the same thing is true about all of us. We've all messed up. Maybe not like this woman did. But, but we've all had our mess-ups. You want to look at biblical characters and find one who didn't have big-time failures? You won't find one except the Lord Jesus Christ. Every one of them. You know, we, we kind of put these, all, all, all these biblical characters, we kind of put them up on a pedestal that they've, you know, never fallen or failed. And, and the, the truth is, is that's how God works. He uses us as imperfect human beings to bring about His glory and to do His will. But you look at some of these, particularly the Hebrews chapter 11, what's called the roll call of the faithful. And even look at some of those names there of great people of faith from the Old Testament and think about their life. You can find Noah listed there. We know what Noah did. They never had a rain before. Never seen a boat, I guess, and God commanded him to build his ark. There's going to be a flood, a rain coming. And he did. He obeyed that. He built that. He built the ark. But it wasn't long after they landed on dry land and they started uh, farming that uh, he took the grapes from the grapevine. He made wine. He got drunk. He got naked. And, there, you know, he exposed himself. And, and those are there's terrible consequences of that. Then you can think about Abraham. Abraham was called to be the father of a nation. And he was promised that he would have descendants who would come and that they would, they would be his followers and that he would have a multitude of people. And that went on for a long period of time. Two things happened during that, at least twice on, on different occasions. He lied about the fact that Sarah was his wife. He said she was his sister. And then 
when God's timing was slower than what Abraham wanted it to be, and he hadn't gotten that son, that descendant yet, he took matters into his own hands. He had an affair with uh, Sarah's uh, uh, servant woman, uh, Hagar, and had the, uh, a child whose name was Ishmael. And since that time on, we've had trouble with Ishmael and the Ishmaelites and it, all, all that conflict in the Middle East and all that over there is partly as a result of that. You think about Isaac. Isaac made a big mistake. He messed up when he blessed the wrong son, Jacob, instead of Esau. You think about Jacob. Jacob came out of the womb holding his brother's foot. He was also, his name means trickster or deceiver. And he stole the birthright from Esau. It's also interesting, though, that Jacob was the one whose name was changed to Israel. Isn't that something? Then you think about Moses. Moses led the, led the people of Israel out of slavery and captivity in Egypt and into freedom. But Moses also was a murderer. Oftentimes we forget that. We overlook that. Then you think about Rahab listed here. Rahab is listed in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and Rahab was a prostitute. You think about Samson. Think about Samson and his long hair and his great strength that would overpower people. But he was a he-man that had she problems, didn't he? And a lot of other problems. And the end result was that when he gave the secret of his power away, it wasn't in his long hair, it was in God in his life, and the spirit was withdrawn from him. He was captured by the Philistines. They gouged out his eyes, and they used him to have fun and merriment. And then you think about David, the shepherd boy, with a sling and five stones, only needed one, killed Goliath, the great giant, became the king, a man after God's own heart. But David also had a wandering eye, didn't he? And when all the others were out at, at war in the springtime, he got his eye on Bathsheba, and, and he took her, and he had an affair with her. And she, had a, she became pregnant and expecting a child. And so he had all these charges, all the, the manipulation he did around her husband, who was in the army, finally putting him up at the front of the line, undefensed, and, and he was killed. And so David was an adulterer and a murderer as well. Now, Maybe you haven't done all of these things or any of these, but the Bible also tells us that we are moral failures because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, before Jesus began this conversation with this woman, he knew everything about her. He knew about the failed marriages. He knew about committing adultery. And that's why he said in his ministry, I've come to call the righteous, and not, and, but sin, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So if you've messed up, if there's a mess going on in your life, maybe there's some addiction, maybe there's some, uh, some secret sin, maybe there's some conflict going on in your life that maybe you're doing a pretty good job on the outside of, of covering it up. Let me help you understand something. God knows what it is, and he wants to help you clean up that mess in your life. How do we know that? That's the second thing we look at today. That is that Jesus loves you in spite of your failures. This poor woman who came to the well, she really had, she probably did think she was out of it. Uh, no hope for her, no future for her, because she had three strikes against her when Jesus met her. Number one, she was a woman, and, and except for family members, men in that day didn't even speak to women. Women were like property, you know, and, and they were inferior creatures. In fact, the, um, the, the daily prayer of a Pharisee was always this, God, I thank thee that I was not born a Gentile, a dog, or a woman. Now, no great uh, place of, uh, uh, dear place of hold, holding uh, in, in love and affection to women, mother. 
Secondly, not only was she a woman, but she was uh, a Samaritan. She was uh, a mixed breed. And the uh, Israelites, Jews, had intermarried with the Assyrians 12 generations earlier. And they didn't get along at all. In fact, the way that the Palestinians and the Israelis fight today was kind of the way they treated each other back then. That's why she was so surprised that Jesus said, how about bring me something to drink? And she said, I'm a woman. I'm a Samaritan woman on top of that. And you talk to me and you ask me to bring you a drink of water? And then the third thing was she was a woman living in adultery. And that was a third strike. So she, she would be one of these people in our culture today probably who, who would may, maybe hear culture say, you know, you, you've just messed up so bad there's no hope for you. There's no hope for you. And Jesus is saying to her, there's hope for you. And you might be thinking, I've messed up so bad I can't do anything about it. Let me tell you, you could do something about it because God has already done something about it. He loves you and He's shown you that love through Jesus Christ. See, there's nothing we can do to earn God's love, nothing we can do to buy God's love. He knows who we really are and He loves me. You know, I just sit down sometimes in quiet time and I think about that. That God, you know who I really am. As sinful as I am, as unspiritual at times as I am, and yet you saved me, you called me to pastor, and you have blessed me, and I am so grateful. And it's just amazing the fact that you would love me and bless me. And the same is true with you. God loves you. Jesus loves you. You don't have to earn God's love. You can't earn it, and you don't deserve it. Neither do I. But the reality is God loves us. And the depth of it is shown on the cross. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God loves us not because we're valuable, but we're valuable because God loves us. If you're here today with a mess in your life, remember this. God loves you. Now, here's the third thing you need to remember. And that is, as you look at this story, you understand that Jesus offers forgiveness for your failures. Jesus had a quiet conversation with that woman there beside the well that day. And it ended up changing her life forever. Why? Because she came into an encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ. And she discovered what he had to offer. That he was indeed the Messiah. And that he had the living water that would spring up into her life, into eternal life. And she would never thirst again. Oh, she'd have to come back and and get water at some point in time and drink again as we all do. Our body has to be replenished. But Jesus was talking about the spiritual water that he would give, living water that would spring up into her life, into eternal life. And what it says to us is if you want to experience his forgiveness and have a start over in life and and a new way of living, Jesus makes it available to you. Just like he offered it to this Samaritan woman he offers it to every one of us today too. You know, what we need is, is, a, is a new life, uh, a break from the old. We need to know that there's hope that we can change, not by our power, but by God's power at work within us. And so I suggest that there are woven within this story um, three things I think that we have to do if we want to start over in relationship with God. First of all is we have to admit it. You've got to admit the mess and the sin in your life. See, when Jesus, you know, kind of countered this woman with her life and, and brought it up to her, she didn't deny it. 
When Jesus said, yeah, you don't have a husband. You have had five. You're living with a man now. Now, that's, that would have been six. When she came in a relationship with him, that would have been seven to be biblical perfection. But she didn't deny it. We try to cover things up. We try to hide things. Remember, they can't be hidden from God. God knows that. You've got to come and confess it to God. That's what you have to do. Now, confessing it to God doesn't mean that you let God know the sin that's going on in your life. He already knows that. But the word there for confess literally means to say the same thing. And so what that means is that when you confess your sin and you admit your sin to God, you're just simply agreeing with God that He's right. And what you've got in your life is sin. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. See, it's like this. If you're struggling with some kind of, kind of issue, you might have an addiction to alcohol, drugs, or pornography, or something like that, and, and maybe nobody else knows it. Maybe not except you and somebody, your spouse, or somebody else close to you, and y'all just trying to hide it and cover it up. You'll never solve that. You'll never get rid of that mess. You've got to come and be clean. If you want to get clean, you've got to get clean with God. You've got to come and you've got to admit it, and then confess it to Him. Second thing you've got to do is you've got to stop it. You got to stop it. I love the I love the old Barney Fife from uh, Andy Griffith show. You remember what and, uh, what Barney's answer to it was? What we gonna do about the problem of sin? Barney said, "Nip it in the bud." You know, nip it in the bud. The problem with us is is we don't nip the sin in the bud. We let it go full fruit, don't we? And then we got a big mess on our hands. Well, what does it mean to stop it? Well, it means you just you know you don't do these things. You don't do these sinful things anymore. The biblical concept of that is repent. Repent just does not mean that you say, okay, I'm going I'm to confess my sin and I'm going to come to God. What it literally means is you have a change of mind that changes the way that you act. And that means when you were lost in sin, you were doing things you shouldn't have been doing. you got issues in your life you need to deal with. And the way that you stop it is to begin by saying to God, I need your power and strength in my life. I need to have a change made in my life. You see, Jesus said to this woman at the well, I can give you living water. You'll never thirst again spiritually. And it will well up into your life like eternal life. Because I love you and I want to give you a chance, the opportunity to have the mess cleaned up in your life and to change the way that you're living. You remember a fairly similar incident in John 8? When they uh, set this woman up to be caught in adultery, it's interesting, always interesting, that they bring the woman caught in adultery to Jesus, not the man. And it takes two to tango. All right? And they bring her to Jesus, and what do they say? By the law, she should be stoned. And what did Jesus say? If you without sin, cast the first stone. And one by one, they dropped their stone, and they walked away. And Jesus looked at the woman and said, where are all your accusers? And she said, they're all gone. And Jesus said, neither do I accuse you either, but go and sin no more. What are some of the ways you can deal with the mess in your life? Yeah, God can create a miracle in your life, but sometimes you need some additional help. Maybe you need to see a Christian counselor. Maybe you need to deal uh, with the addictions that are in your life, the the past pain that's there, the the, um, shame that's there. You know, all those issues that are in your life that you tried to hide, you know, you need to deal with them, bring them up, and get rid of them. 
then there's some spiritual things you need to deal with. You know, you, you need to be regular in your worship of God in church attendance. You know, not to put on a show because you need to grow. Get in the Bible study class. Get in the Word of God. Get an accountability partner. Get somebody to pray with you about these issues. But you need to work on however you're going to stop doing this thing that creates a mess. You need to do it through God's power in your life. And the third thing I think implied in that is we need to, to, to accept forgiveness. What Jesus was offering this woman was forgiveness for her past. He knew everything about her, but he was offering her forgiveness. He was offering her forgiveness. And he is the God of love who forgives us. And so many places in the Bible reminds us of that. Isaiah 1, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. The Bible says in Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Micah 7, 19 says, says, you hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. And the Bible says in Isaiah 38, 17, in your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. You see, that's what God does with our sins when we come to him and we've come clean and we admit it and we confess it. And we ask for his forgiveness. But you know what we really don't need is we don't need it to ask for a second chance. Oftentimes we think about God as the God of the second chance. But if we come and we ask for a second chance, we're going to come and ask for a third chance. We'll come and ask for a fourth chance. We'll come and ask for a fifth chance. And what that means is there's really been no change in our life, has it? So instead of coming to God and asking for a second, third, fourth, fifth, 27, 28, 98, whatever chance in life, we need to come and say, God, I need a new life. And that's what Jesus promised this woman. Water she would drink from, spiritual water, from which she would never thirst again. That meant she'd never have a need for these other outside things that were sinful in her life. And the same would be true for you, whatever you're dealing with, the mess in your life. You see, God comes into your life. He fills you with that living water that, that wells up to eternal life. And that's the offer God has for every one of you today. Isn't it interesting? The story says that the woman realized that, left her water pitcher at the well, and ran into the city and told people, come, see a man, meet a man who told me everything about me. And the bottom line of it was at the end of that story, then these guys who came out there, whoever they were with her, said, we believe, not because of what you've said, but because we too have experienced the same thing. See, every one of them had a mess in their life that they needed to clean up. Could be some of them were her five former husbands. We don't know. But isn't it interesting what they came and found once she went and told those who needed to know hope where they could come and find hope. And see, this same God who sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you still loves you today. He still has a solution to the mess in your life. And he's here to give you the living water that will lead you to eternal life. A new life 